Binge Down, how are we feeling today? It's your boy, Dave, and I am joined by fellow co-hosts, Brian and Kyle, and we are back with our coverage of Netflix's live-action adaptation of Avatar, The Last Airbender, specifically episodes three and four, titled Omashu and Into the Dark. And don't worry, today's intro is going to be much more quick than that of the first recordings. All I really want to say is that I think the combination of three and four, to me, were better than the combination of one and two, I'd say. The creative choices to combine certain plot lines, even from future seasons of the animated show, I honestly thought were pretty good. I felt like even though I've watched the animated show and it does feel weird seeing these creative changes, I felt like they kind of really worked, especially in episode three. They felt very connected when watching. And overall, I just thought the episodes were very solid. As always, I do have some complaints, but we'll just get to those when we do. Just like the first recording, we're going to be covering big chunks of story together rather than just doing scene by scene. So with all that being said and all that being out of the way, I'll just hand it over to either Kyle or B Tom's for their first thoughts on these episodes. Yeah, I can, I can take that from you. I was actually able to watch both of these episodes twice. And I think my visceral gut reaction on the first watch through was, Oh man, this, this isn't great, but upon a rewatch, it actually, was a lot more palatable and I, I found myself enjoying it quite a bit. I completely agree. Credit where credit is due. They put a lot of storylines and condensed them into these two episodes. It was probably about six, seven episodes from the animated series that we saw portrayed here. And it did feel fluid. Everything kind of did feel connected. And while you know, the pacing was really, really fast. It still felt okay. And and they fit in a lot of iconic characters that I otherwise would have been disappointed to not see. And we'll get into them specifically we know. later. We know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we know. Yeah. But no, I, I agree. It's good. I still have my gripes, certain things that didn't quite make sense. And some of the writing still made me roll my eyes. But overall, I would agree. I think these two as a as a parcel was probably better than episodes one and two. Yeah, I think that the way they broke things up or rather, I guess, combined things in episode three worked really well. Maybe I'd have to watch again. I, if I'm honest, I just don't think I enjoyed these episodes that much. There's definitely some highlights and good spots. I really like Zuko and Iroh, like just continuing off what we talked about in episodes one and two. I think I understand why they have to make changes when they're going for this quote unquote realistic version of the Avatar world. I just think it's just not for me hmm. is how I, I feel about it. And I will not argue against that because yeah, I get those feelings too when watching it sometimes. And I will even say, since our last recording, I have actually been binge watching the animated show, yeah. of course. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I get yeah. it. I mean, realistically, their whole journey to the to the North Pole or you know the Northern Water Tribe is fifteen episodes. Which, if Ang is really trying to learn water bending, you know, you're not going to spend fifteen episodes trying to get him there. You know, you're going to get him to where he needs to be. So. I think it worked in episode three. We'll get into those complaints as we get through the discussion here, but let's go ahead and we'll just kick off things with episode three, just talking about Team Avatar as a whole. So the arrival at Omashu, we get our first looks into Jet, Teo, and Sai, and we can just start with that conversation there. Just the introduction of those three characters that we are very familiar with from the animated show. 
what were your guys' thoughts on the portrayals and depictions of those characters? I was pleasantly surprised to see Sai, the the mechanist and his son and and Jet. I think it worked well. It makes a lot of sense. We're in this Earth Kingdom stronghold. We honestly in the cartoon show we ping pong a ton around like different like it's we go Omashu, Bossing Say, and then I think back to Omashu. Yeah, which is and like... we also, I mean, we go to into Fire Nation territory, mm-hmm. and you know, so we're kind of all over the place. So it makes sense to to consolidate these things. But Jet's introduction was perfectly fine. It you know the him and Sokka dynamic was good right from the start. I like them kind of riffing to get into bossing say it was no mr postadocalopodopolis or whatever yeah, the yeah. last name pippin popsadopolis yeah. <laughs> but they did nail it when uh, they uh the guards at the get, get the gate like completely air i mean earthbend that dude's cart off the fucking oh, yeah. like that was a nice little one-to-one nod of like you know that exactly happened type of stuff so i honestly enjoyed this stuff yeah i thought Jet in particular was cast very well. And I think he mm-hmm. his line deliveries at no point was I getting that cringe from him because Jet is supposed to be a little bit of a cringe character when he's flirting with Katara. But I think the portrait portrayal really came through for me. And I would say same with Sai and Teo, maybe to a lesser degree, but both of them were bringing bringing some good game there. And it was nice to see Abed from Community playing yes. Sai. Yes. You know, he's he's a good actor to have there. But uh, again, just to reiterate what you guys are saying, it made sense that for the live action, we wouldn't be ping ponging between Earth Kingdom villages. And they just shoved all of those storylines into Omashu. It, it it made a lot of sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I honestly thought the creative decision of doing this was actually really well. It made the the ending of episode three a little bit more suspenseful and like kind of feel new to a degree and so i really appreciate that i'm just going to complete the uh the tic-tac-toe here jet was incredible man i thought he was so good the specifically obviously the fight that he gets into with those fire nation randos the way that he was using the the tiger twin hooks oh that was it was so badass i thought classic yeah i I love those weapons those might be my weapon of choice that or a katana they're close but he was the one even back in the day when I remember watching this, I was that was the first time he was the first time I'd ever seen these kinds of weapons. And I just yeah. always it just resonates with me so well. And he says they're badass. But yeah, I thought Sai and Teo to a lesser degree were still pretty solid. No complaints there. It was like you said, it was good seeing uh, Abed from community as well. But honestly, with just those introductions, we can just move on to the not, the next big piece of the Omashu, which is Zuko versus Aang. Zuko's arrival there and the Aang showdown, which another thumbs up for me. Honestly, another great fight. Maybe even the best one between these two we've gotten so far. I, I really like the use of the environment that not only were we getting the bending, but we were getting the uses of the environment that Aang kind of does rely on in his fights against Zuko sometimes when he doesn't have his, his staff in particular with him. So no complaints from me on this fight i thought it was really well done yeah the choreography is good zuko himself is just good at the kicking and we know we mentioned it last time that the kicking looks sick with the firebending but i think it still looks good even without the special effects of the firebending so and it was nice that we get a fight without the firebending i thought it was good for iroh to be like you know don't use your firebending because you might get in trouble type of deal i thought all of it narratively made sense and all that kind of stuff Mm mm-hmm 
I agree with you, so I have nothing bad to say other than right when he said, I can take him without my bending, I was like, ah, Netflix, saving a couple hundred thousand dollars, okay. (laughs) But I completely agree. The choreography was great. I think just the Omashu markets, which weren't really emphasized in the original, but just the entire aesthetic of Omashu looked fantastic. I don't even think we talked about when they're flying in on Appa, just the entire look of it looked very very sharp absolutely it's just one of those things where i'm watching and kind of the same way i was feeling when i was watching um sandman those the the places that we would visit in sandman it was just like oh i really want to i wish this place was real you know kind of thing and uh it was the the mashu looked incredible i can't i can't deny that the other obviously the thing we have to call out is the cabbages guys yeah yeah perfect 10 out of 10, no notes. I was I was a little the second time he didn't say it, I was like, there's no way they're not gonna say it. Like I would have <laughs> been so furious if it was just like a nod in the way that they weren't gonna say it. And then at the very end, he hits the the my cabbages. And it is the guy, right? It is the it voice is actor. The original. Yes. Yep. I mean, that was just that was funny. I I, I think they did that really well because they knew the the OG watchers would want yeah. him and the way to to like, you know, hold him off a little bit with a couple fake outs was good. Yeah. When he offers Katara to try and she's like, not now. No, it was it was perfect. Absolutely. So what did you got? I I thought they did a really good job of kind of blending size actual storyline where he was dealing with the firebenders and kind of having Jet's storyline overlap with that, where Sai became the man main antagonist of Jet, and they used that whole thing to kind of replicate jets quote act of terrorism against a fire nation village but it actually becomes what he considers to be the traitor inside i just think all of that i gotta give him credit because i i won't be doing it too much but i think they fit a lot in here and it really worked yeah narratively and for character motivations it makes a ton of sense it was i don't want to say their only option because that feels like i'm taking away the credit from them but they did it very well i thought yeah, of I, course, watching it, I was definitely quick to hate on it. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're going to pull all this into one episode. It just feels so ridiculous. But I feel like it was quickly discarded. I feel that they were just really well done. I, I can't. Yeah, I, I mean, if you think of in the original cartoon, let's say Jet ends up joining the team and then we run into the mechanist in episode whatever, like 17, it might be. Yeah, I think it was. Like, if 17. Jet was there, he would have fucking been pissed at this guy. Yeah, so I think that it totally makes a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. I also like that they did highlight the mechanist identifying Sokka as an engineer, yes. too. That was kind of a smaller plot line in the original western air temple wherever it was in the show and they kept it there which is good that's a big part of Sokka's characters and one of those things that is kind of like a secondary Mm -hmm. characteristic of his so we didn't get as much sarcasm although we had some in these two episodes we Mm -hmm. didn't get the misogyny but we got the engineering medal from Sokka yeah Yeah. that might have been I think maybe my favorite low-key part of these episodes and I thought Sokka was so much improved in these two episodes. He might have been, I mean, Zuko, I think, is still my favorite in the moment, but I think Sokka might be up there now, too. Yeah, he's he, from the beginning. I've, I honestly always vibe with Sokka, and I think it was always because his voice still to me sounds very similar to the original characters, and I think that helps a lot. So I'm, I'm in on Sokka as a character, absolutely. Definitely Zuko, number one for me, but Sokka is up there 
but see what you were saying, B Tom's. Yeah, that I just watched that episode of the Northern Air Temple, and it's just so yep. funny when they're they're just gassing each other up. They look at each other. It's like you're a genius, and it's like no, stop. <laughs> yeah. You're a genius. And it's so good. Could have used a little bit more of that camaraderie here, but it's the rotten eggs, right? To yeah, get the natural eggs. gas. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then they figure out the whole balloon thing, which I would have actually probably liked to see here. The air balloon. Did they not? Am I missing that? Did they? No, we saw no. his his like designs in his oh, workshop. It's designs, so it right. was alluded to that he was working on the balloon. And also Sokka gives him the idea of the vent the latch lid. at the top. So no, they, they did a good job of showing that too. And I guess it's just assumed since he was dealing with the Fire Nation, they may or may not have their hands on that design. Yeah, I think it would be nice, and I assume it will happen, that we will run into them using his designs later on. I think it would kind of not necessarily cheapen this interaction, but it would make it feel less, I don't, maybe even real. If uh, when he's like, oh, like I gave them nothing like meaningless designs, but we know in the yeah. show, in the original, he kind of gives them air fair, I guess you could say, for lack of a better term. So yeah. it would be cool. And I'm assuming that will happen that we run into that. Do you think? they will bring back any of the characters, like Jet, Sai, Teo. I can't remember if in the animated show we see Sai and Teo again. I imagine, I thought, I think we see him one more time, but is So there- if if we get to the invasion, they were a huge part of the invasion because he invents was, yes. the submarines and those Caterpillar guys, and yes. Jet comes back in Bossing Say, and he is a large oh my part God. of the brain. You're totally right. So they have line. to, yeah. They so... Have to. If we make it that far in the live action, it would be hard to do the story without them. And Je- yeah. I I think the community should be receiving both of those portrayals positively in the live action. Jet was Jet was really good. Yeah. Some and, people saying they wish Jet was Zuko. And I was like, I don't know. I think Zuko's actor is doing a fantastic job of Zuko. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I can't yeah. I can't re- respect that. Yeah. Um, But what? While we're on Jet, what do we think of the Freedom Fighters? I thought they looked pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, um, oh my God. Why can't I think of his name right now? The kid with the bow and arrow. Yes. Long shot was yeah. legitimately perfect. It was almost yeah. like the cartoon was a, a cartoon version of him versus mm-hmm. him being a live adaptation version of the cartoon. He, he looked perfect. so dead on. Yeah. I missed the uh the interaction from the animated show when Aang sees pipsqueak and the duke for the first time so pipsqueak's obviously the big guy and the duke's the kid mm-hmm. and he goes up to the duke and he's like pipsqueak like that's a funny name and it, it's the big guy looks down and he's like yeah. you think my name's funny and angus <laughs> looks at him he's like it's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> they did kind of give that line to katara yeah a little bit yeah a little did. bit but we can also just top off episode three discussion with the iroh sacrifice essentially how what we thought of that i know kyle you were having some minor complaints with Iroh as a character. For me personally, I'll just say it. I think he definitely shot up a lot in these two episodes. I'm just curious to hear on your thoughts on this action that he did and maybe both, I guess, episodes thoughts on him growing on you know. at all. I think the the way they get to his imprisonment and like when he's in Earth Kingdom custody, like traveling on the road and stuff, I think that made a ton of sense with where the story was going with Inamashu. I don't know. I think I'm it's just so hard. Iroh is just such a tough character. And again, I agree. I think with what B Toms was saying is that the writing is not like super fantastic where, and again, it feels like it might be more like if I was a younger, like a, like a young adult, like a teen, maybe I would enjoy it more. It just feels at points a little like 
forced his like wisdom comedy slapstick stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just I guess. I um, I'm go ahead, I I enjoy his portrayal. I think the problem is literally Iroh in the animated series. They're all like ten out of tens, but he specifically is iconic. Yeah. He's a legend. So no matter even if he's given an eight out of ten performance here, you're comparing him to the original yeah. Iroh, and it's it's just a tough gig. Writing's not doing him as many favors because everything that came out of the OG Iroh's mouth was just something you held on to. Yeah. But I I actually am enjoying it. It's a it's a nice homage to the character and the actors keeping it light, but still intelligent with that with that uncle wisdom. Yeah, even- and I think it's nice that they're like really emphasizing that he is kind of wearing this mask a little bit for Zuko. We know, obviously, we see it more in episode four at the ending when we get the flashback, but. We kind of they're really doing a good job, I think, of dropping these breadcrumbs of he has this internal emotional turmoil about his past and things like that. So I think that's coming through well. We got a white lotus style in episode yes, three. Yes, yeah. we have did. we even got a classic Uncle Iroh proverb yet? Just one of those ridiculous not he hasn't brought up Jasmine tea from what I remember. He eats a lot of funny food, which is yeah. along the similar lines. But... In- in episode four in the flashback, he says, I brought all the tea I'll ever need. So they're they're planting the seeds hmm. of his love of tea. Maybe not Jasmine specifically. Yeah, but. that's true. But I guess we can keep that Iroh discussion going as we know that he gets captured at the end of episode three. And then we got a, a so we'll just continue with the Iroh Zuko conversation. Rather, mm-hmm. just all of that. What happens in episode four, his capture, his discussion with Aang, maybe in particular, as well as his interaction with the Earthbender captain that reminds him of his times in bossing say so if we want to keep rolling that that carpet out we can yeah what exactly does he talk to ang about is it just kind of ang says the fire nation started this war and has the power to end it and he's kind of acknowledging it's not that easy yeah that's pretty much what iris says. they also talk about ang's talking about like the state of the world right now too and that everyone's kind of i don't want to say they're bad but it's just like not like full of love and balance is kind of I, I that's the point I took out of it. I was very interested that they had this level of interaction this early. I think it's something that if you want to maybe criticize or or a way that the original cartoon could have been improved from like a fan service perspective of Aang and mm-hmm. Iroh interacting more because of their kind of beliefs and their their personal codes and stuff like that. So I enjoyed that part of it. Thought it was interesting that they in the Earth Kingdom prisons they allowed that like window gate between the two of them because <laughs> yeah. like they can literally earth bend them into a box. But and I guess they, they're not totally completely evil. They allow them to socialize a little and bit. And both of those two people are two of the strongest benders in the, yeah, in the world, also too. True. Yeah. So, also true. But I like the conversation between Ang and Zook uh Iroh rather really nothing there i think to add on to b toms it was also to give a little bit more perspective on what ang thinks of zuko just right now just true word for word basically says zuko is just an ass kind of just he, that is they, not word for word don't yeah. say word for word and then use the word ass in a nickelodeon show right no, he does right. he does say oh he lets you take the fall and get in prison he's away scot-free i'm really starting to find out who he is and i row kind of like you were trying to get to corrects him and says, Hey, listen, buddy, you have no idea. And that is not word for word. And what Iroh said. And we do see the example come through here because Zuko infiltrates 
the base and learns that Iroh is now being escorted out, but also at the same time, the Avatar coincidentally is now being kept at the castle. So now Zuko has this internal dilemma of, do I save my uncle or do I capture the Avatar? And while I'm sure you could make the argument that I'm sure Uncle Iroh would be fine on his own and Zuko could just go for the Avatar here while he's captured, Zuko, we see the the niceness in him a little bit here as he chooses to go for Iroh, which I, I, I like for Zuko as a character. This was a moral dilemma established in the animated episode as well. Mm -hmm. Uncle originally gets captured because he falls asleep in a hot spring. (laughs) So narratively, this reason for him getting captured makes him a little bit more badass, if you will. But Mm -hmm. no, when Zuko is on the trail of Uncle, he sees Appa fly by and he says the Avatar and it flashes to a different scene while he ponders. But he does inevitably wind up choosing to pursue his uncle and Going along with that thread, the fight scene where he actually catches up to the Earthbenders was they had a couple shot for shot taken from the original. And I think that whole sequence was really well done. I do want to circle back and talk about Iroh's interaction with the Earthbending commander, whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call him. But that fight sequence was a big thumbs up for me. Maybe the Earthbending is still a little robotic and not as cool as it should look, but... I was pleased. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the shot for shot, I was very pleasantly surprised at that. I mean, we get the overhead axe kick with Zuko to break the change, which is literally exactly what he does. We have Iroh like using the chains to break the the uh, the rocks, and they were on fire, which was sick. It looked really cool. So all that stuff worked really well. And the change of having this like in-depth conversation, because they bring up Bossing Say in the cartoon when yeah. they're transporting him, and the guy tried, you know, he makes Iroh feel a little bad about it type of deal, but it wasn't this level of emotion. I thought the guy did a really good job acting as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they gave the that guy a lot of camera time. Like, it, it was Iroh's back for a, a majority of that speech, and he kind of just goes on this tangent here, talking about how Iroh was the reason that his son gets killed, and that mm-hmm. Iroh knows nothing of loss, but we all know that's not true (laughs) yeah that's not true i was actually kind of i was getting moved from that guy a little bit honestly and it pissed me off in the anime or in the animated series as well because iroh does play it off like he's kind of supposed to he doesn't want to show weakness to the enemy he doesn't want to be sympathetic towards this guy you know but he he kind of plays it off like an asshole a little bit you know he's like oh i was talking about you not me in terms of you know the emotions of war and things like that so it hurts when i see iroh be mean like that in those situations but we also see when the the commander does step away for a second that iroh does have to think on his actions a little bit this was able to achieve an emotional beat that maybe the animated series couldn't because they use this earthbender to say you know you torched the wall by the time i finally got to my brother's body there was nothing left to to bury they couldn't be as graphic as the animated and We'll get to the Ozai incinerating that literal dude. That is what the firebenders would be doing. Like they can kind of peel back the layers of the actual darkness that is going on because the firebenders are waging this war. But oh my God, that is totally my fault. I just completely skipped the Ozai Azula stuff from episode three, but we'll finish no, this out good. and then we, we'll hop yeah, back. Yeah, we were going yeah. along with, with Iroh and Zuko. But I will say, I love the level of severity there is in these fights because. You know, in the animated show, when they're fighting, people get whipped with fire and they can kind of still stand their ground. But here there are consequences that and we see that with the Earthbender when fighting Iroh and Zuko, when he fires yeah. the shrapnel, it would just make sense that 
it wouldn't just knock you back. Some of it would get lodged in your body. And I, I like this. Mm. It puts a little bit more pressure on our main characters and puts and really instills that pain is real here. You know, there's a, a consequence. More realism to the bending. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So but if, why don't we hit the two Iroh and Zuko flashbacks that were specifically for the live action? I don't recall either of them. And then we can go back and hit Azula and Ozai. So mm-hmm. as I recall, the first flashback is at the funeral for Lu Ten, who was Iroh's son who died at the Battle of Bossing Say or the, the siege on Bossing Say. I I think this is okay at establishing a background and a base for Zuko and Iroh and maybe a little bit more in your face why Iroh would feel so compelled and feel that attachment to Zuko in the later flashback where it is him joining him on the ship and Zuko has the bandage over his eye. I thought both of the flashbacks, they didn't feel out of place and I was I was pretty okay with them being added for the show. What? a well-acted scene i thought by zuko's actor here with younger zuko you can tell he feels very nervous he's kind of stuttering a little bit to get these words out to to kind of try and console uncle iroh here i thought it worked perfectly i think that the beginning of this scene is a perfect example b tom's a little bit of what you were talking about last episode where it's very exposition heavy it's the dialogue is very kind of clunky and it it's just like when the two people are walking away and they're like so obviously telling us like, oh, his son died as a hero and now he will be remembered as a coward. And I just I don't know, like on top of my head, it feels like maybe Ozai could have said something a little less obvious, but implying that idea. Felt, well, you know, what's I don't weird know. is Ozai then proceeds to give his grievances and say your son will live on in Fire Nation legend. So he kind yeah. of does come in and reiterate exactly what yeah. those two bystanders said yeah that just felt like uh like they were smacking us in the face with mm-hmm. like this is what happened type of deal and i was like i don't know if we needed that i'm gonna be honest i wish zuko looked a little bit younger maybe even have like a different actor come in here because i feel like when i'm remembering those flashbacks of zuko being the kind young bright-eyed kid that he is yeah. like he is a kid you know he doesn't look like his teen self yeah the hair yeah even with the long hair it wasn't it was still like this the events of him being kind and now becoming the avatar obsessed person it, it feels like that timeline is like really quick you know that's all i'm saying really is if he was portrayed as like a kid maybe in those scenes and then he's grown up and then gets the scars then i could kind of reason with that development a little bit but it just felt like that's just a small I, complaint that i had it's a small complaint you see what I'm I saying, though? I, yeah. I do, because they they just animate the entire character differently in the flashbacks in the original right. show. So maybe if they got a different actor, that would help to emphasize how how younger he is. But I don't know. I'm, it's still I, fine, I'm easy though. to. It's also like the greater show is, away. is yeah. kind of moving at that pace, too, where it's been like maybe two days. feels like since they've met Aang. Right. Type yeah. of deal. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it just kind of falls in line with that, maybe. So shall we talk about our introduction to Azula and Ozai? Yeah, I feel like this might generate a lot of conversation between us. Yeah, I mean, 
so the opening scene, <laughs> yeah. I like what it establishes for the character of Azula. Yes. I mean, she yes. is infiltrating a resistance within the Fire Nation who was plotting on that night to assassinate the Fire Lord. And then it's revealed in the throne room, which looks fantastic, by the way, mm-hmm. the Fire Lord's throne room. It is revealed that it was indeed Azula and the Fire Lord was privy to the plans. It was a good introduction I- for Azula. I... She looks so young, and I know she's supposed to be young in the animated show. She is the younger sister, correct? That's like the big part of it. That's yeah, but she looks like really young here, and I just can't. She seems like really short, too. And I feel like for me, as Azula in the animated show, she just she felt more powerful, I guess, in the in the animated show is what I'm trying to say here. And while the deception was really up Azula's alley, I'm not a fan of how they're portraying her to be almost envious of her brother. I feel like that takes away a lot of Zuko's character arc. I think Zuko's one of Zuko's biggest points of rage is that his younger sister is superior to him in every way at the beginning of the show. And that kind of eats at him throughout the series. Whereas in this, I'm I'm getting the feeling that the dad almost praises Zuko for finding the avatar it wasn't necessarily praise, I would say, but it was at least recognition to some degree. And Azula's jealous of that. I'm just upset because, again, Zuko's biggest thing, one of his biggest things is that his sister was better than him at everything. And capturing the Avatar would not only put him ahead of her, but also see have the father view him in a better light. So I'm not crazy so far on, on Azula, to be honest. I think that this scene could have been way brutaler from like Ozula's perspective, it feels like, yes, yeah, she sells them out, but that doesn't feel like it hits the level that she was like, you know, like that level of pure evil. And like if she was maybe gravity. the one to burn. Yeah. Them. Like, and then we could have seen a blue fire, which would have been cool. Like, if she mm, I hope we get that would have I like hope. joined in. It just felt like she's like kind of walks out of the crowd, says like, yes, father. And then and that's kind of it. It just I don't know. It mm. feels like an opportunity where they could have rat use the live action medium in this more serious tone they want to ratchet up and really show us how crazy she is but i mean maybe we'll just get there you're saying azula wouldn't be a tattletale to daddy she would have just incinerated the room of resistance people right then and there no i think even the tattletale daddy part's fine i think she's like if she would have joined in or like maybe even like if the guy had like insulted ozai to his face and like she would have maybe burned him before ozai even got the chance to Mm. type of deal oh that would have been so nice if she firebends and it's not blue flame, I'm turning it off. <laughs> Podcast is over. That is that is th- that is a guarantee. Yeah, I, I am will. telling you. She and I do want to speak to what you said about how Ozai seems to be sympathetic to Zuko and praising him. I think that was Ozai just showing what a sociopath he is to just play his two children against each other. Zuko's never going to hear that compliment. That was the other way I was complimenting nothing. But the only reason he says it is to be like, look at what your brother's doing. He's a failure. And even he found the avatar. What have you done? Light a fire under her butt. So I. If they're including Azula and Ozai, this is all new content. I'm pretty okay with them showing us kind of that side of Ozai and how manipulative he can be. I'm glad you brought that up because that was my second thought when watching the scene was, okay, it's probably just him, them trying to show us just how much he just plays the kids back and forth. And 
I, I'm glad that you brought that up because that makes me feel like that's what it actually was. And that's mm-hmm. what I'm buying because I, I didn't like the idea that it was more so I felt like it was praise at first. Yeah, the Azula stuff's weird because reading all the discourse on the internet is kind of crazy of the just the exact polar opposite opinions people have on her character arc and the meanings behind scenes and things like that. I guess maybe we were too young at the time or I wasn't like tapped in so much to like the online community, but I don't remember her being like this huge contentious like argumentative thing about her character arc, but people talking about the live action show are like on such opposite sides of the coin. It's crazy. Really? Yeah. I I think it's just one of those things again, where it's such a beloved character. The expectations are high. So people are going to have very passionate feelings about them. And also, I mean, they were probably talking like full series stuff and people were like, oh, complete character assassination. They butchered her. And other people are like, oh, like this is a great interpretation. All this stuff. It's just, I don't know. Obviously, it's fairly par for the course when you get adaptation of beloved IP like this. But Azula specifically, I feel like it kind of shocked me. Mm-hmm. We see May and Ty Lee too. Yes, we do. They look and I good. Guess they're back in the, the girls academy or whatever, which is alluded to in the original show. So now we're just seeing them in that timeline. Really I, quickly, I, have I, you guys seen that theory about Ty Lee possibly being an Air Nomad? What? She looks yeah. like Aang. Yeah, that's the thing. So one is she doesn't have traditional Fire Nation features. At least we're in referring to the animated show. So she doesn't have traditional Fire Nation features. Her eyes, like Kyle just said, they're very similar to Ang's. Like if you switch their faces, they're one for one the same. Mm-hmm. She was obviously raised in the circus. She has no idea who her parents are. So people just kind of have this theory that, you know, Fire Nation, you know, burned her parents down and kind of she was then forced to flee and ended up being adopted into the run. So, yeah. Also, and, I guess like the idea of like and her fighting points, style. Yeah, yeah. Kind of speaks to more like Aaron stuff. That's like fun, but. If it doesn't matter, then <laughs> it's kind of like yeah. whatever. Yeah. I thought Mai's actress did a great like deadpan monotone my like delivery of her lines. It was like very obvious. Like, okay, this is my. Yeah. And the, no the last thing there. we get for the Fire Nation here is that Azula reaching out to Commander Zhao for tabs on the Avatar it was fine. I guess it's, a, it's Azula's way of now trying to throw her hat in the ring for competition of capturing the avatar. Zhao is the one character potentially where I've given up comparing him to his animated counterpart because they are just going in such a different direction. I I consider them two different characters. It was so weird seeing Zuko and Zhao working together in episode three. I think it was, they're talking about their plans to capture the avatar I mean, granted, they do have a little bit of an argument, but they are, at the end of the day, still working together. And I thought that was definitely weird to see. I think this will probably maybe create that rivalry then. Yes. I, I, I liked his say that. Yeah. yeah, I liked his reaction to it. I just liked the the line of, but I'm not going to say it word for word, but essentially like we're in the big game now or something like that. Yeah. I was trying to work away and to use the the word ass there to <laughs> I just couldn't think of it in a few seconds, but I just, I liked it because it was just roping this side character back into our kind of main story here, which is, which is important. Yeah. 
bef- let's just knock out Sokka and Katara stuff here with our n- another uh-huh. great callback from the animated show. Sokka and Katara still bickering about, you know, the whole Jet and Sai incident and not really seeing eye to eye all that well. They get word of these secret tunnels, which I didn't think they were actually going to. It wasn't going to be the actual secret tunnel that is the, the cave of two lovers or whatever. I thought they were just saying secret tunnels because that's the way they were going to get in. I'm fine with it. I thought it was obviously great seeing our boys, the band back together, and they absolutely crushed it. (laughs) They were fantastic. I thought the lead minstrel was amazing. He might be my favorite character in the whole show. Yeah. It was great. I was satisfied, and that was the character I was talking about. I would have been upset if I didn't see them to some extent. They even played the song at the end. I wish they had like led with the song and we got it fleshed out more, but we did hear Secret Tunnel, Secret Tunnel, and they are also the ones that show us the really cool kind of Omashu backstory animation that did kind of have that that fluid picture show in the animated series. So it was quick. They showed us a couple elements from the animated show that everybody probably wanted to see, and they got him out of there. It was very jarring to see Sokka and Katara go through the yes. the, <laughs> the secret lover's cave. Yes. Definitely. So they kind of yeah. take a different interpretation of love, love shines brightest in the dark. The badger moles looked fantastic, and they kind of spun it in a way that that did make sense given the storyline. So that's another one. I do kind of have to give them kudos, even though they changed what was in the show, they still included these story elements and it, it did seem to make sense to me. It does fit too with what they're seemingly, I don't want to say ignoring, but going a slightly different direction with, with this Ang and Katara romantic relationship in the cartoon. Obviously Ang is much more, involved in it i guess you could say and clearly has a crush on her from the absolute get-go type of deal and i we've talked about it last episode where they may be trying to get away from that at least in season one and it maybe will develop further into the series so with that not being a thing they want to do this feels like kind of the next best substitute Mm -hmm. you know it i i kind of want to go on a tangent it feels like ang and guitar <laughs> in the live action really just don't have much chemistry at all through four episodes i feel like they haven't had any really full-on scene partner dialogue going off of each other it was nice to see Sokka and katara kind of have some sibling moments where they got animated with each other and treated each other like brother and sister that was good to see i i do find it lacking that the romance element will they won't they between ang and katara isn't here because that was just so intentional by the writers in the animated series from episode one he has a crush on her she sees him as a little brother and it was something just simmering in the background but just something i'm gonna have to get used to i suppose yeah Yeah. another thing i have a question about pertaining to katara is a lot of people online have been talking that her character just feels a lot different she feels less the word i was saying a lot and then i think i agree with this motherly seems like she feels like quite lost and maybe not necessarily timid but i don't know she felt more like in control and like fiery and like the boss of the squad i think you're in the animated in the animated yeah. you're absolutely right because i mean 
even as I'm thinking back on these episodes and of the animated, Sokka's calling her a little girl here in the live action, whereas in the animated show, he always refers to her as the mom of the group and that caretaker kind of role. So I think they are even making Katara seem more of a child in the show than they are of her. And they're not really playing up her roles and duties that she had at the water tribe and making her appear like that mother figure that she was in the animated show. Yeah, she she's coming off nervous and self-doubting, and she's never really had a a very triumphant, heroic, let me show my chops. She did get the freeze on Jet, which was cool. I think she is starting to get better and better as a waterbender, which is nice to see. But I completely agree, Kyle. She was she was a very strong heroine character in the animated series, and that is not coming through through four episodes. Yeah. And again, is it something that will develop? over time it's possible it just feels like that is not i don't want to say i miss yet but i feel that impact on the show i think it was even at the beginning of episode three when ang is talking to katara about how to improve her bending and what the air nomads taught him and that scene just felt cringy to me like that wasn't even like a touchy moment for me then they start just casually splashing each other i'm like this isn't this is just yeah. so forced. It's not, yeah. I'm not feeling that romantic vibe, but it doesn't feel cute to watch. It just feels kind of cringy as of right now. And I think like B-Time's saying, even absent romance, just chemistry in general, I think yeah. feels still lacking. Yeah. I'm, I'm still not sold on Aang. I have to say it. I'm just, it's so, it's, and I'm going to give him all the credit in the world because it is a, such a difficult role to play. The live action expectations are always going to be so hard to fulfill. I just, I'm not, completely quite sold on ang yet but we'll see i would agree with that i also i kind of want to change the subject going back to episode one and two we really didn't highlight that kiyoshi's message to ang was to go to the north pole to prevent another oh yeah genocide of of the northern water tribe essentially that is his mission right now it is not to find a water bending master and we are halfway through season one, which is called Book One Water, and he hasn't done any water bending yet. So I'm kind of reading a lot about that. I'm only halfway through, but the audience says, "Yo, what is up with Ang not really water bending all that much?" So that that is a very bizarre change in his motivation to get to the North Pole. Yeah. It's just he feels, let's say, the most different. It feels like Sokka is the closest, but we've already mentioned some differences. Katara is closer than Aang, but she obviously, mm -hmm. like we just mentioned, has differences. And Aang is so tough because they've changed his motivations, which changes li literally almost internally almost everything about the character. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. Aang, too, is in that Iroh bucket of he's such a blend of this like childlike wonder and comedy and funny moments. And we get serious moments more later on, but they're really trying to do this balance of serious and funny at the same time early on. And for me, I just don't think it's working that much. I feel like that's part of like the, the cringy dialogue moments and like, I'm not feeling like it's working. Mm -hmm. Certainly. So, while Sokka and Katara are getting through the secret tunnel, Aang is imprisoned originally, but then he has a meeting with King Boomy. And 
I gotta say, Boomy's actor was fantastic. I think they changed the tone of the character of Boomy. He was not giving the vibe of mad genius. an old best friend from a hundred years ago, the mad genius. He was a little bit more like in your face. Remember your duty. That's all I care about. You're the avatar. You need to do your mission. The kookiness came through and there was a little bit of that boomy charm, but his, his message to Ang fell a little bit flat and, and seemed a little bit, I don't know, sinister maybe. Yeah. Just, just yeah, no, definitely. More, Again, it's one of these things, it makes sense with the story they want to tell. It's just, is that what I want to watch? Maybe not necessarily. I think it's a very obviously realistic take on Boomy having lived 100 years, Aang's disappeared, that's his friend. But I agree, B-Times, I, I almost, was almost waiting for at the end and the aftermath to be more jovial and like, I was just testing you, like, I was expecting some more cleverness. Like he didn't feel like a mad genius. He just felt mad. You know, felt that was very, it. Yeah. And just very jaded. Yeah. I, it's also some of the charm in the animated was the reveal that it's boomy doesn't come till the end. And right when they meet, he identifies him as boomy and spends the entire episode being like, this isn't the boomy. I know you used yeah. to be cool. And my friend yeah. and skip rocks, which was another like eye roll. Come on, like <laughs> stop reminding him of the friendship. He knows about the friendship. Yeah. But I, I guess I, I like will agree like, of it. It's just the, execution and when actually watching it with my eyeballs was like okay i think boomy is probably the perfect representation of the best representation in the show so far of did the best they could with what they were given you know i didn't like the boomy that they had the character boomy that they are trying to portray in the live action again we've said it enough it was just more of a straight shooter more serious felt betrayed by ang rather than Having a little bit more of motive in his testing and a little bit of cleverness, shrewdness mixed into it as well, while also respecting Ang, that was kind of all thrown away here. I probably liked him. The moment they started the fight is probably when I was like, okay, this Boomy's pretty badass. Yeah, but you saw those hair piss and you were Yeah, like, I saw the muscles and I was like, <laughs> okay, this, this kind of works out a little bit. But I just, I didn't like the mat, the non mad genius aspect to it. That was just, that was Boomy. It was the mad genius. And all he felt really here was just like a crazy, grumpy old man. I kind of disagree in the fact that I think the portrayal by the actor was good. He went for it. He was given yeah, words and like the kookiness was definitely there. Yeah. Also, I'm again, some of the earth bending in the fight sequence was a bit choppy, but they did do that patented drop kick that Boomy does. Where yes, just I have. I have it. I have it. And does down, the kick. Yeah. It was the that Rhino was Schneider. Cool. I, <laughs> I really hated how that fight came to a head where Ang was just balancing two giant boulders. We've also never really seen air bending be that effective at essentially earthbending, keeping those boulders in the air, and he's able to do two of them. That felt a little weird, but I don't yeah. know. Yeah, my I one just, the one thing I will say in terms of good, just like you guys were saying with the Iro fight, there was a lot of one-to-ones here that, like you said, the double kick into the boulder, the quicksand from the feet, and then the, the obvious thing, lifting the, whatever you want to call it, piece of arena that he does and holds yeah. it over Aang. Those moments were really cool. And I and the of course the backflip that Aang does over the boulder mm -hmm. to dodge 
those were all great. I agree, though. It was Boomy just willing to throw himself away for this test. Just, you know, like, kill me. This will just make you the man that you need to be. It's just like, come on. Like, what yeah. are we doing here? Also, Boomy was holding all the cards because if he dropped that, Boomy would have just punched through the boulder and done something kooky. So I yeah. almost wish they did that, but yeah. Go yeah. ahead, Kyle. The idea of having someone really push Ang in this way to make him realize, like, hey, bro, you've been gone for this amount of time. Like, there have been people actively suffering for this amount of time. I think that that totally fits within this more serious tone it's just the execution of it just fell flat for me again like i said maybe two four minutes ago if there was this more jovial ending of boomy being like ah like i just you know i was like i had to test you had to show you i don't know maybe exactly what i was looking for but just wasn't a hundred percent this and random side comment is I thought Ang's choreography in this fight was really odd and that he kept jumping over everything. Mm. Yeah. It just felt, I think it just felt less common sense. Like there were so many things that were coming high enough off the ground that he could have just laid down, <laughs> no, but obviously yeah. he wants to air bend. So he's going to air bend himself up. I just was a stupid thing that I noticed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One last thing. I, one thing I'm going to go forward a little bit too. When Boomy has a feast thrown for Ang, he's offering the meat or the stew. And he's like, which choice are you going to make? And I was really, when Ang said stew, I was really hoping to get a wrong choice. But he says, yeah. good choice. And I'm like, ah, you missed your opportunity for a wrong choice. Yeah, I can't tell if that was something that was supposed to be like a so much out. as kids. Yeah. And that it's kind of disappointing that it wasn't in there or that was actually like a fandom wide. <laughs> Definitely us. Definitely we us. have no. been saying that since we were little tykes. So wrong maybe choice. that exact line delivery, but everybody knows wrong choice. Him throwing yeah. off yeah, the robe, yeah. jacked, and he earth bends his spine back into place <laughs> like that whole 10 seconds was. Oh, yeah. And the the end of the animated fight is Boomy just kind of lays into the ground and he just you know yes, what I'm talking about? And I was hoping, up. Yeah, I was hoping he was going to do that exit here, but he didn't. I was pissed about it. I loved that. That was like one of the coolest things I thought for an Earthbender to do is basically like swim through the ground. Mm -hmm. um, what did you guys think of Katara bending the ice and Sokka sliding on it to tackle Boomy? Cool. Cheesy Snip a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It wasn't Glad like there. It wasn't like that's our first that was, her water bending. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think that's the first time we've seen her use ice. No, I mean she well, froze jet, jet at the beginning. Oh shit! This, well, if you so want to say, and well, if you want to say that this episode is the first time she mm. introduces yes. ice, then yes, hundred yeah. percent. But I mean, it was it wasn't something I was like, oh my god, that was so sick. It was like okay, like they're working together, and yeah, the obviously it, it pulls together at the very end because Boomy's whole thing is like Ang needs to do this by himself, and it's like no. Power of friendship. We got this. All three of yeah. us together. And yeah. He kind of <laughs> teaches Boomy to be his friend again, and they ride yeah. the the little Jonskis. Well, I yeah. feel like we have been trashing these episodes pretty harshly. I still think I that three that. and four were. I guess. Have yeah, you we're, read we're, anything about this show online? We are, yeah. we are being taped, <laughs> and we are giving both sides of the. Coin. I actually have. Yeah. We are, I've actually been avoiding all of that negativity for the most part, so that's been good. But yeah, three and four, I, I still think as a as a whole. We're probably better than one and two. I still think my favorite moment of the whole show is Kyoshi. That will that was like such a, a high good. moment for me. Yeah. I think maybe maybe I do have to watch them again to try to like wash off that like initial comparison stuff. I, but 
it's just so tough. You're literally making an adaptation of material that people love. Like it's impossible to divorce yes. what you're doing from what we've already seen and known. It's just such especially a, when you're so trying difficult. to copy it. Yeah, it's so difficult to do. And this is part of the reason why we were like, do we really need this? Like, can you just give us like a fresh story somewhere else type mm -hmm. of deal? So Kyle, one of the TikToks you posted, someone commented, you guys are only saying this because you've seen the original. You need to watch it with someone who's never watched the original animated series. And I want to say two things. Number one, you're absolutely right. I am comparing it and that's making it seem worse. And number two. If I come across someone who has never seen Avatar <laughs> and they show interest in seeing Avatar, yeah, yeah. I am sitting down and watching the entire Avatar animated series yeah. with that person, <laughs> and I would never present them with the live action as yes. their by choice as their first introduction to the series. <laughs> it's funny because this is actually a good conversation because I actually recommended this show to someone, and you know who that was? My mother. I knew I you were like going to say that. That is the perfect target audience of someone because one, she was she was there for all the episodes that we had watched, but she didn't care enough to know what actually was going on in the episodes. She just knew of Avatar The Last Airbender. And I feel like this brings enough of the story, enough of the camaraderie to the point where someone where my mother would enjoy it. But I'm not going to go out there to some 20 year old who's like never seen Avatar and be like, yo, watch this live action. It's sick. Like B times, I would just tell them to watch the animated version if they showed interest in it, you know? So it's just it's just this weird thing that they've given us that no one really asked for. And why are we going to do this if we have another way to point people? Yeah. Who knows? And I'm glad people are liking it and enjoying it and having fun absolutely, watching it. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. That's great. That's just for and me. To, and it's again, it's been difficult, I think. And I will say for me, I. I I have been enjoying it. This is a show that I'm excited to hit next on. I'm not going to recommend it to anyone else, probably besides my own mother, but <laughs> I have been enjoying hitting next on each episode, especially now knowing that the creative choices they've been making can kind of be good and fresh. It's giving me something else to look forward to with the, the, these upcoming episodes. Maybe something new will surprise me. Difficult is a good word to use to describe it, unfortunately. I've been a little bit more positive about these two than the first two. I think I gave one and two maybe a four out of ten. I think this is a five out of ten. Like it is still a slightly below average show in my so, opinion, just really? down to bottom. But I'm I'm I, I am allowing myself to have a lot more fun with it. I'm trying to compare it less and because it's still been enjoying the podcast has definitely been fun to, to do. Yeah. Oh my sure. god, yeah. It's tough to it's fun to break things down. I mean, hear your guys' perspectives on scenes that maybe I didn't think about. It changes my opinion, et cetera, et cetera. But also I think even just removing the we know the original content thing. I think blank slate judging it as a television production, you can kind of tell that it's not like a super high end mm. television production right. yeah. type of deal, you know, which obviously hurts it because it is trying to be this more serious interpretation. So we've, re we've repeated it so much. So I'm going to say it again. I feel like <laughs> if just, if I had never seen the animated show and I was watching this with fresh eyes, I'd give this like a six or seven out of 10, but because I'm, I know that stuff I'm with B times. It's like a round of five, like it's average TV to me, you know? Yeah. So. Just the world is so fucking cool. There's so much fun stuff they can do and there's so much great source material, but it's yeah. when it, does, it doesn't execute as well. I think it's worse because we know what it could be. Yeah. Any final thoughts from you guys on this uh, these episodes? 
No. Secret tunnel. <laughs> yeah, shout out to that guy. Shout out to that Secret guy. Tunnel. Oh, no, right. it's we we've been saying it. It's it's a fun ride so far. Yeah. It's, it's cool to see the characters, maybe not the best quality, but it's taking us back to our childhood. That's all that really matters. But that's going to be it for today's episode coverage of Avatar The Last Airbender. If you like what you heard, give Bingetown TV a follow on all of our socials at Bingetown TV. Be sure to join our Discord and chat with us about anything that you're watching and currently watching with us. You know, we love those discussions. And lastly, for our podcast podcast catalog, go check out BingetownTV.com. Everything's all nicely, neatly organized for you guys there. You can definitely find something that you've watched in the past on that channel. So go ahead and check it out. If I didn't say it enough already, once again, we are Bingetown TV. And thanks for listening. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.